0: okay at this time we'll be um, listening to we'll be yeah listening to the sermon and so the monk sermon was pre-recorded
1: last night uh some of you were able to join us last night for the monk sermon if you were not able to uh, we do have that link here on our facebook page uh, the, under the sermon and so not only that um, we also have it on my facebook page if you my facebook page you will see the mong sermon which is exactly the same bible verse that we um will be speaking. And so if you're interested in the Hmong Sermon instead, you can go ahead and click on that link at this time to listen to the Hmong Sermon. And so for this live broadcast here, we will be doing the sermon in English. The title in which I have given to the sermon this week is called I Am the Door. I Am the Door. It's from John chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 10. And so I'll be reading from the English Standard
0: Version. The ESV.
1: If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy.
0: I came that they may have life, have it, abundant. Let us pray together for the word of God. Father, we bow our heads before you once more as we prepare our hearts to receive your
1: word on this day, on this beautiful day. That you have made for us. To bring us here together on Facebook. To join us here together. Worship you. And Father even though we know. That we're not able to gather at the church. For worship at this time. We still. We still greatly. Desire to come together. As one church. As one
0: local church. As the body of Jesus Christ. To worship you. And so we pray at this time, as we listen to your words, that you will bless us with a heart
1: that will be able to receive your words, and that your words will be something that will transform us or lift us up. And so we
0: give you all things at this time and we ask for your Holy Spirit's guidance. We lift all things to you for Lord Jesus. Amen.
1: Here in May, 2020, it is the 45th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. Here in the States, it was a time of tremendous joy as many young people started coming home. In Laos and Southeast Asia, it was a time of tremendous, tremendous fear. It was a time of mourning as the communists took over many parts of Southeast Asia and in Laos, many of the Mongs had at this time, many of the Mongs had to leave their homes during this time, 1975, so 45 years ago. And so it is the time for us to just remember the end of the war, to celebrate with those at that time who were celebrating, to to honor those, the veterans who gave up their lives and those who fought in the war also to remember the struggles of many of many of our brothers and sisters in southeast asia to remember the struggles of our Hmong brothers and sisters as, as they had to flee their homes during this time as the communist government took over the country and declared genocide and persecution against the Hmong people as we remember these things i also remember the you know i also remember us coming to the united states and of course i was still very young at that time I was still very young at that time and so I was born in Thailand so I never had the experience of living in Laos going through the war and crossing the Mekong River. I I never had this experience. I was born in a refugee camp in Thailand and so I was two years old when we came to the United States of America. Just me and my father and my mother and that's that's all you know that's all you know who, who were part of our family at that time. And then when we came, got here to the States and, you know, since we've been here in the, in, in the States, you know, we, um, I've had, I had seven more siblings to me. So there's eight of us. But when we came to the United States, it was just me. I was the only child. I was the oldest. I was the only child at that time. What, some of the first memories in my life were memories of San Jose, California, because that's where my family came. That's where we first lived when we came to the United America. And so I remember our very first house, our very first place that we lived in. And that place was an apartment. It was an apartment downstairs, two bedroom, very small apartment that we lived in at that time. And we lived in San Jose from 79 until around 1982. And I started kindergarten when we we moved to Sacramento. When we moved to Sacramento, we also lived in a a, uh, an apartment, also, and so being that you know, the, back then the monks just came to the United States. We were still, you know, living in poverty, and so many of the places that we lived in were, were, were places that many people don't want to live in. And but we all lived in apartments and and small houses and things of that sort. But one of the one of the better memories that I had when I was a child is a memory of my aunt and my uncle's house in San Jose because even though many of us we lived in these small apartments my aunt and my uncle they were able to find a big nice size house about 2,000 square foot Feet. And and I remember seeing their house for the very first time when I was about nine to 10 years old. And when the very first time when I saw their house, I was just amazed by how big their house was because I was used to living in these small apartments. And, and the, their house was a two-story home with four bedrooms, three bathrooms, with a living room, a family room, and a dining room. And it was beautiful with stairs. Right when you open up that door, Entering into their their home, there's that stair, that stairs that just goes right straight up into the upstairs portion of the home. And well, I remember when the very first time when I saw that house, I was just amazed by that. And and I was, you know, it, it became part of my dream that one day, one day I will find a house like that. That one day I will live in a house like that. So even when I was a little child, about nine to ten years old, I was dreaming already. But one day having a house like that. And fortunately, nowadays, um, you know, my wife and I, we were able to buy a house that's very similar to that. Very similar to that, a little bit bigger than, than my aunt and my uncle's house was. But we're fortunate to be able to, to buy a house and to live in a house that's similar to what uh, my aunt and my uncle lived in. And, but one of the things that I love more, the most about my aunt and my uncle's house was the fact that they had double doors? They had double doors. Um, the front door was a double door, and so that was something that I, I just just stuck with me. That was something that I that I felt that one day I want to have a house in which the front door were double doors, not just a single door. And so, unfortunately, we, my wife and I, were not able to find a house like that. And so we bought a house that single door. But you know, I just love that because having that double door, it just makes Everything so much easier if you were to buy, you know, if you're to buy something, you were to buy some you know, couches, sofa, whatever it is you know, some uh, some appliances, whatever it is, and you are to bring those appliances, those couches, those sofas into your living room, it makes it so much easier because you can just take both of those doors and you can just open those doors up and it makes it so much easier. You know, living in a house with just a single door, it makes it so difficult when you buy things, you know? It makes it so difficult. You buy something, you buy a couch, you try to bring that couch inside your home, you're, you're turning and twisting that couch all over the place, just trying to get that couch to fit into that front door, and it's a difficult, difficult thing when you buy appliances and things like that. It's very hard to try to get it through that that a uh, single door. And I, I just, I, I just wish that they would just make every house, every front door of every house, a double door, so it makes it easier to to uh, move things around in and out of the house. And and so that was, you know, those were some of my earliest memories in in my life. And one of the things is just remembering that house that my aunt my uncle who who has now passed away but just remembering the house that they lived in somewhere around 1985 until somewhere around the year 2000 and just remembering those doors and just seeing those double doors because I have at that time I have never seen anything like that before you know I've always seen these small apartments I've always seen these small doors going inside the house and just seeing those double doors was something that amazed me at that time and yet the Bible also talks to us about a door. The Bible also talks to us about a door, and it is a door that is much better than this door that we're talking about here at my aunt and my uncle's house. The Bible talks about a door that leads to an abundant life. And that door that the Bible talks about, and which Jesus Christ talks about, here in John chapter 10, it's himself, that door is indeed Jesus Christ. He is the door that leads to salvation. He is the door that leads to abundant life. And if anyone goes through that door, he will find eternal. And as we look at this scripture here from John chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 10, as Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, we see the opening of his words. And he says in these words, truly, truly, and we can take those words and we can, if we can literally translate that to mean amen, amen, okay? Or, but at the same time, the reason why Jesus Christ is repeating himself with these words truly, truly, is that he wants to emphasize on what he is saying. And so he wants to bring the attention exactly to what he is saying. And he's basically saying, telling us here, that this is something that is very, very important for us to listen to. This is something that is extremely, extremely important. This is something that we must take to heart. This is something that we must keep inside our hearts. That these words are something that we must truly, truly pay attention to. They are significant to us. They are extremely essential to our lives. That's what Jesus Christ is declaring when he's saying truly, when he opens up up this discourse by saying truly, truly. And this is something that we must remember. We must keep. Because this is something that will be life transforming for us. And he says here, I say to you, and although this is something that's meant for all of us to listen to, in the context of John chapter 10, the group in which Jesus Christ was speaking to were the Pharisees. He was speaking to the Pharisees, a group of people that mainly, I mean, not all of them hated Jesus Christ. But mainly they hated the message of Jesus Christ at that time. They were very hostile to the message of Jesus Christ at that time. And of course, if we look chapter 9, John chapter 9, we will see exactly the context in which Jesus Christ is saying these words here. Because in John chapter 9, we see that. That the Pharisees, they were angry at Jesus for healing a man that was born blind on the day, on the Sabbath day. And so this man, that, that, that he was born blind, and Jesus came before him, and Jesus put mud on, on his eyes and, and healed him, and he was able to see. And the Pharisees were so angry because to them, you were not supposed to do any kind of work. The tradition was that you were not supposed to do any kind of work on the, the, the Sabbath day on that day. And so Jesus Christ, instead of following the rules, following their traditions, Jesus Christ came and Jesus Christ healed this blind man. And they were so angry that they, and they, that they asked everybody to come before them so they can investigate exactly what was going on. And they were speaking, they were speaking to all kinds of people at that time. They even brought in the parents. Of this blind man. Just to talk to them. Just to ask them what is going on. What happened here? Was this man truly blind? Or is this something that that they were faking? Was this something that they were falsifying? And even as the Pharisees brought the parents of this blind man before them. The Pharisees asked the parents of this this blind man. And his parents said. Our son was born blind. And so they even gave a testimony to that. They even testified to the fact that their son was born blind. But other than that, they didn't want to say anything anymore because the Pharisees were the religious leaders of that time and they did not want to offend them. They did not want to get the Pharisees more upset at them. And so, you know, out of, out of their own fear for their own life, they didn't want to say anything anymore as the Pharisees continued to ask them about this situation, about their son and
0: about Jesus Christ. As they continued to ask them about these things, they said, "Why don't you just ask him, right? Why don't you ask him?
1: He's already old enough. He can speak for himself, and whatever he says, that's his testimony. And so the parents, even the parents, got to the point in which the parents didn't want to say anything anymore, because they, they were just afraid. How angry the Pharisees were. And we see in chapter nine that the Pharisees became so angry to the point that they cast this blind man out from them because this
0: blind man just kept testifying just kept telling them that it was Jesus Christ that healed him and so they were
1: just so angry they were so angry at this blind man they were so angry at Jesus Christ that they cast or they kicked this blind man out from them and this is this is the context this is where This discourse comes in. This is where Jesus spoke Pharisees. And he declared to them, truly, truly, these are the words that are extremely, extremely important. These are the words that you, even as religious leaders of this time, that you must hear from God. Because you see, at that time, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were so fixated upon the religious laws. They were so fixated upon their traditions. They were so fixated upon their rituals and their
0: culture. They were so concerned with that. They were so focused on that. That, that, that it became
1: more important to them to honor those traditions than it was to help someone. It became more important to them practice their rituals the religious rituals and it was to actually help somebody else to actually help this blind man during this difficult time and so this is what jesus was speaking to them jesus was teaching them what does god want
0: from us is it these rituals is it the, these traditions is that what god is that what pleases the lord or what is it that truly pleases the Lord? What is the real act of worship for God? Did we lose connection? I want to make sure we didn't lose connection here. But that, but that was the
1: thing that Jesus was trying, that Jesus was trying to communicate to them. And we see, we see in Micah chapter 6, verse 7 through verse 8, the word of God even in the Old Testament, spoke about this. And it says this in Micah chapter 6, verse 7 through verse 8, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness? And to walk humbly for God. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus says to the scribes and the Pharisees once more, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have, have neglected the weightier matters of the law, and justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting. You see, so Jesus Christ was telling them basically, your traditions your rituals i mean jesus christ is not saying that they are not important but jesus christ is saying yes they are important but you are neglecting what is more important than that you believe that all these rituals all these things that you do as a believer is what pleases god But that is not what pleases God. What pleases God is that you need to provide justice for people, that you need to love people, you need to help people, you need to walk humbly with your Lord. And that was the problem within the religious atmosphere, within the religious community of Jesus Christ, of the Jewish people during that time. Because they were so fixated, they were so concerned with these rituals and these religious laws and these traditions. That instead of bringing people to the Lord, instead of, instead of um, taking away the burden from people, what they did was they actually gave more burdens to people.
0: They actually burdened people more
1: and more with what they were doing, with all these laws and all these traditions,
0: all these rituals. People simply just could not up. And so the faith, the faith in God became a burden. It became a burden to many people. Because they were acting not out of passion, not out of love, but they were acting out of obligation. And many times that's what happens in the church, also. Many times what happens in the church
1: is that oftentimes we can't tell the difference between what is tradition. And what is scripture? And so many times what we do in the
0: church is we neglect the scripture. But we uphold. And the tradition becomes a stumbling
1: block for people. The tradition becomes something that keeps people away from the church. Jesus Christ says in Mark chapter 7 verse 8, he says, You have disregarded the commandments of God. Keep the traditions
0: men you have neglected the commandments of god to keep traditions, and, and when we're
1: unable to discern to distinguish between what is tradition what is the tradition of man what is the tradition of our denomination when we can't distinct if we can't make a distinction between that and what is scripture oftentimes oftentimes those traditions are the things, are the stumbling block that keeps the church from, that keeps people from coming. And so that's something we must learn. We must learn what the difference is. We must learn what is tradition. or We must learn what is scripture. The things that are tradition, those things should be flexible. Those things should be able to change. It is the things that are scripture we don't change. It is the things of God. See, the things of scriptures are the things of God. These are the things that we hold on to. Because God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. So the things of scriptures are things we must hold on to, and the things that are tradition, the things of men, are things that we must be flexible. We must be willing to change them in order to help people come to know God more. But many times. Not what we do many times what we do is we hold on to the traditional thing the things of traditions
0: because these are are are, are what, what we focus on these are things that we came up with and so we hold them so so we see them in, in, in such a personal way that we're unwilling to change the tradition but when it comes to the things of god the scripture thing, we're so quick to change those things. We're so e- you know, so we make it so easy to
1: change things. And so sometimes we have it backwards.
0: Sometimes many churches they have it backwards. Because the, the right way to hold on to scripture, change the truth. While often many churches they hold on to tradition. Change scripture. And they believe that by doing that, they will grow the church. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because when the further you move away from God, you will not receive God's blessing. The church, and so we have to stand. We have to stand next to God. We have to walk, with God. We have to recognize what is His. Keep that as supporting. What God has commanded, and we also recognize
1: here in this, these scriptures in this passage here. That Jesus Christ was indeed preaching. He was indeed not preaching a choir. He was preaching to a group of people that were extremely hostile to him. He was ex- preaching to a group of people that disliked the message. And so the first thing we re- recognize, that we realize here in these scriptures is that if we are to walk, if we are to be able to walk like Christ walked, if we are able to go through this door, that Jesus Christ is talking about. That is Jesus Christ. That we must be men and women. We must be men and women who hold on to the truth of God's word. The second part is we
0: must be willing to teach the truth. Because Jesus Christ, even, even among people who are hostile to him, he preached the truth. He preached the truth of
1: God's word to them, He did not hold the Word of God back, and oftentimes we often feel that we need to withhold certain things from the Word of God because we feel that you know if I teach this part of the Word of God, some people are not going to like it, and they're going to leave the.
0: But God has did not call us to withhold certain things from people. God has called us teach the entire scripture to teach the whole counsel of the word of
1: God and in his calling and God's calling of Ezekiel in the old testament this is God's this is what God said God said Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 3 to verse 8 he said son of man I am sending you to the Israelites to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me they and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day the people to whom I am sending you are obstinate And stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you have lived among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give. You see, that's the message. That's the calling that God gives to us. That's the example in which Jesus Christ showed us here in John chapter
0: 10. As he was preaching to this hostile group, he kept the truth of God's word. He did not
1: hide the truth of God's word, and he did this out of love for the truth. He did this out of love for God. It's difficult. It is extremely, extremely difficult for us to understand what it means to love apart from God. The Bible tells us that God is love. It does not say that God symbolizes love. It does not say that God has love. But what it says is that God is love. And so what that means is that in order for us to understand God, love, we must be connected to the truth of God's word. We must be connected to the entire counsel of the word of God for us to be able to understand what it means to love. It's so hard, especially nowadays as we live in a society that we use the word love so loosely. We can love anything from our food to our houses, to our cars, to our, to our, 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 our siblings, brothers and sisters, to our parents, to, to our wives, to, to, to our husband, to God. But from a scriptural standpoint, from a scriptural standpoint, it makes absolutely no sense To say that I love my food. It makes absolutely no sense. To say that I love my car. It makes absolutely no sense. To say that I love.
0: Because love was designated. Between people and God. Or people and people only. The only time. The word of love. Is ever used. And it is defined within the context. Of abiding. In our Lord Jesus Christ. And abiding. It's not defined in the context of our own personal feelings. It's not defined in the context of our own personal reference, or preferences. It's always defined in the context of being connected to God. And so Jesus Christ here. He spoke the truth to these people.
1: He spoke the truth to these people. Even when they were
0: against He spoke the truth of God's word to the Pharisees, even when many of them did not want to hear. And he said to them that he is. And so the door that is Jesus, a door of love, is a door, also a door of truth. It is a door of truth,
1: speaks the truth. And that is what God has called us to do, brothers and sisters. He has called us to preach the truth. Regardless of whether or not people listen or don't listen, you see in his calling of Ezekiel that's exactly what he says that you must speak my words, whether they listen to you or don't listen to you. because if you speak my word, that way people will know that a prophet is now
0: among them. That's what prophets do. they pronounce the word of God. that's what we do is we pronounce we declare the word of god we teach
1: we don't teach our own opinions we don't give our own opinions but we give the word of
0: god and whether people listen or don't listen that's between them and god we don't condemn the word of god that's their own personal choice that they but that's between them between god
1: that's what that that's what god has called us to do as so we walk that door that door is a door a door that speaks that does not hide that does not only preach certain parts certain
0: um, certain parts of the Bible but preaches the entire entire it is not a it is not a it is not a door that is concerned with what is politically correct
1: but it is a door that is concerned And Jesus Christ says that those who does not enter by that door, those who do not
0: go on behalf of Jesus Christ, those who do not go through Jesus, that they are but just thieves and By thieves, he's talking about just people who steal, who who are deceitful. If
1: you do not go through Christ, and you're going your own way, you're finding your own way
0: to the sheepfold, all you're doing is deceiving. All you're doing is stealing from them. And then he, he also used the word robber. Robbers, robbers is, 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 is a term that talks about being violent, acting violently, using force to get things done. And so when we don't go through the door that is this is where we end up having. We end up having to deceive people. We end up sometimes having to force people to believe in the things that we. Do. And in the end, what happens? We end up like the Pharisees, who have to cast people, as we become frustrated. I'm frustrated. Things, that are our opinions, they don't follow the things that we want. The first thing that we must realize. God, that to walk through that door, it is a door of love, a door of
1: love, a door that's willing to help other people. As we, as we discuss the first part, is that we must be willing to help. That super, that that precedes everything else. That comes before everything else. It comes before our rituals. It comes before the things that we do inside. It is the willingness to help others regardless of who they are, regardless of their religious background, regardless of their ethnic background,
0: regardless of their cultural background. The first thing we must do, Christians, is to walk through the door that is Jesus. The second thing, to hold on to the truth. Speak without hiding. And Jesus Christ here makes, makes that distinction. He makes
1: that clear, clear distinction between those who are
0: robbers and thieves, between himself who is the door, the sheep. You know, when people come to your house, they don't. If if
1: if they want to, if they come peacefully, if they come to help you, of course they'll come through the front door. They're not gonna go around and try to enter through the window or through the back door or anything. They're gonna come to the front door. They're gonna knock on the front door. They're gonna ring that doorbell right there in the. And that's what Jesus Christ is saying, is that if we're honest, we truly care for the sheep that's
0: inside that sheepfold, that's inside that sheep pen, then we will come through. Because he is the chief shepherd. He is the one that keeps them safe. He is the one that protects them.
1: It is through him that abundant life is given. And back in the old days, in the time of Israel, early Early first century Israel, they, they used to have all these sheep boats, all, all these sheep pens, which they would, they, they would build, build with rocks or briars or thorns or shrubs and things of that sort. And they will build it and, and right there at that front door. Many times there, there will not be a front door. There will be a front entrance. But many times the shepherd is the one who has to sleep at that front door to keep all the predators out, keep all the wolves out. To protect sheep and so every night as that sheep as, the, as he puts the sheep away
0: as he brings them into that sheep he watches them one at a time he brings them in one at a time to make sure that they are protected to make sure that they are safe throughout the night. and as he, he brings one, as he brings them in one at a time. Once they're all in, he's the one that lays down by that door.
1: He's the one that sleeps by that door to make sure that nothing, that the
0: wolves doesn't get in. And so what do we do if we we are like Christ? Our job is to protect. Our job is to protect, to make sure that they are safe. And that's why Jesus Christ warns us. That's why
1: Jesus Christ warns us. And he makes this distinction between false prophets and the prophets of God. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus Christ says that we must watch out for false prophets, for they come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious, ferocious wolves. And so Jesus Christ warns us. He protects us. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1 through verse 4, the word of God says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. See, God was speaking to a bunch of shepherds who were irresponsible. They did not want to take care of their sheep. As a matter of fact, they caused their sheep to be divided. They were not watching over the sheep, over the flock that God has given unto. And so God is proclaiming woe unto them, a curse unto them. He says, woe to the shepherds to destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares. The Lord, And so, in other words, God is saying, I will punish you for not taking care of my sheep. I will punish you for not taking care of the flock that I've entrusted into you. Instead of protecting them, instead of feeding them with the entire um, truth of my words, you've caused them to be divided. You've scattered them throughout the world.
0: You have not watched after them. You have not taken responsibility for them. And so God was declaring a punishment upon them. And then he goes on and he says, I will gather. See, God
1: says that God will gather the remnants of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them and and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. You see, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. That is being promised here in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is that chief shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the one that restores the flock. He is the one that restores the sheep. He is the one that cares for the sheep. Everybody else, all the pastors, all, everybody else that serves in the church are under-shepherd of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ says that he is the door to the salvation. And he goes on and he says in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I want us to listen to that, that, that Bible verse very carefully. Very carefully, Jesus Christ is saying that no one comes to the Father except
0: through me. You see, by holding on to the truth of God, Jesus Christ is declaring a message that is in clear contradiction to many modern thinkers. That is in clear contradiction
1: to what many of us think nowadays. is because we seem to think. It is popular now to believe that all ways, that every
0: way, leads to God. Every religion leads God. But Jesus Christ is saying that He is. He is the only door. He's saying that He's the only way, that He's the only truth,
1: that there is no other way except through Jesus Christ.
0: And whether you believe in this or not, this is what Jesus says. And it is my responsibility as a servant of Jesus. To declare to you what Jesus Christ. And it is in clear contradiction with many of our modern thoughts. It is in clear contradiction of many of the contemporary worldview that we have
1: in regards to God. Now we must ask ourselves this one.
0: Was Jesus not knowledgeable? Did He did He not have the foresight? To see what we see today. Because if he did not have that foresight, then we cannot declare him to be. If he did not have that foresight, if he did not have that understanding,
1: then he is not all knowing. And therefore, if he's not all knowing, we cannot declare him to be. Now, did Jesus Christ make a mistake by declaring this? Even by declaring that he is the door, he is declaring that he is the only one. That he is not a door, he's not an option, but that he
0: is the only way into that sheep. He is the only way for salvation. He is the only way to the Father. And so was our Lord Jesus Christ, did he not have that foresight to understand our modern things? Or
1: was he simply a liar? Didn't, did our Lord Jesus Christ, did he lie to us? If he had that foresight and he went ahead and made a declaration that is incorrect, that means that Jesus Christ lied to us and makes him a liar. And so we cannot declare that he provides salvation for us. We cannot declare that Jesus Christ is the one who takes away our sin. Because
0: the only way that Christ can take away our sin is if he himself was without sin. But if we call him a liar, then we also call him a sinner. And so the death that he died was not for our sin, but was for his own sin. What did Jesus Christ teach us? And these are the options that we have when we listen The word of our Lord Jesus. Many times we often
1: say that we love Jesus. Many times we often say that we trust Jesus, that we believe in Jesus.
0: But do we really
1: believe in him? If we believe in him, do we believe in the things that he has declared us? Do we believe
0: in the things that he has said? And First John says that to love God means to keep the commandments. These are the commandments that God has given. The Lord Jesus Christ has given. These are the things that He has taught us. That He
1: is the one, the truth, and life. No one goes through the Father except. And I know this is often a hard teaching. It's not only for us. It was a hard teaching for many of the disciples of Jesus. When Jesus taught them many things, many of the disciples, we see in John chapter 6, verse 60, that many of the disciples, upon hearing the teachings of Jesus Christ, they say, These are hard sayings. These are things that we cannot listen to. These are things that we cannot accept. And so, even in Jesus' time, many disciples, upon hearing what Jesus was teaching them, they turned back. John chapter 6, verse 66 says, After this, many of his disciples turned back, and no longer walked with him. Upon hearing the many teachings of Jesus Christ, they found so many things that Jesus Christ
0: taught be so difficult for them to accept that they walked away from Jesus. So we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones that find the word of God, that find the teachings of Jesus Christ to be difficult sometimes. Even during his time, many of his disciples found them. But the thing we must understand
1: is that a, in the scripture here in John chapter 10, it continues on
0: and it says that the sheep hears the voice. It says his sheep hears his voice. Just like
1: a child was still in the womb of his, his mother. That child recognizes the voice of
0: him. that child is comforted by the voice of this mother. The sheep of God is comforted by the voice. They hear that voice. They
1: they're able to make that distinction between the voice of Christ and the voice
0: of those who are false teachers. And it says that, that the sheep of God that they will not follow
1: the voice of strangers, the voice of these false teachers. But instead, they will follow the voice of the Lord. They will follow the voice of their shepherd. They will follow the voice of Jesus Christ. And last week, we spoke about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And we realized that as they were starting that trip, as they were starting that walk to Emmaus, That at first, Jesus Christ came to them, and because they lost hope, they lost their faith in the Lord, they did not recognize who Jesus Christ is. And so that is the same situation. When we do not have faith in God, when we don't have faith in the Lord, even when God speaks the truth to us, we turn away from His truth. We don't recognize what He is teaching us. We don't recognize what He is saying. But those who have have faith, they will recognize the voice of their Savior. They will be able to discern the voice of the Savior from the voice of false teachings, from the voice of false teachers. They, they they, They will be led by the voice of Jesus Christ, and they will find comfort in the voice of Jesus Christ. They will find comfort in the words of our Lord Jesus. They will not follow the false teachers. They will not follow false teachers. to the the natural man, the man without the Spirit of God, the man without faith, when he hears the Word of God, when he hears the voice of Christ, to him, these things are barriers to his desire. To him, these things are barriers to his his desires. And so he, he he does not yearn for these things. He does not want these things. The message of the gospel, the message of the cross, the message of God's redemptive plan, becomes total foolishness to the natural man. It it is a total foolishness to him because his heart has yet to be regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to him, it is a stumbling block. To him, the voice of the Lord is simply just a stumbling block. It is simply total nonsense to him. He cannot accept it at all.
0: But to the one who has faith, the one whose heart has been regenerated by the Spirit of God. He hears the voice of the shepherd and he follows that voice. He finds comfort. He finds comfort in the words of God. He puts his trust in the words of God. He makes that distinction.
1: And so, brothers and sisters, in conclusion, let me say this. Jesus Christ says in Matthew chapter 7, after teaching us that we are to ask, after teaching us that we are to seek, after teaching us that we are to knock, he goes on. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter seven verse 14, He says, "Small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it." It is as if the Son of God knew that 2,000 years from his birth,
0: many of His own people will be
1: confused with the way into the kingdom. God, they will start believing that all roads lead into the kingdom. And so here Jesus Christ is contradicting all that we believe, and he is speaking a timeless truth to all of us,
0: warning us, pleading with us in love, and reminding us that He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the love.
1: Here He's reminding us that there is no other way to the Father. That Jesus Christ himself is the door, the door that leads to everlasting life, that leads to an abundant And so for those of us who have received Christ already in our life, I encourage you to continue in your faith. I pray for your perseverance through this life until the day that you meet our Lord Jesus Christ face to face. For those of you who have yet to receive Jesus Christ in your life,
0: I ask you today, from the bottom of my heart, love, as we proclaim the message of the gospel to you, that there is no other way. I ask you, receive Jesus Christ into your life. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord
1: and as your Savior. Jesus Christ, He is the door to our salvation. Jesus Christ, he is the good shepherd. He is the one that teaches us the truth about God. He does not hide the truth from us, regardless of how we feel about that. He is the one that's
0: going to save us. He is the one that's going to protect us. He is the one that is going to warn us. Time of day. Let us pray. God, we come before you. Thank you so much for your words. We pray that we will continue to
1: remember that your Son, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one will be able to come before you except through. We pray that we understand and we accept and we recognize that Jesus Christ lived a life without sin. And upon that cross, when he died, he bore our sins upon him. By boring our sins upon his body, he has also given us his own righteousness. As we're able to stand before you today, to worship you and to hear your word, we ask that you continue to keep us safe throughout our lives, continue to protect us throughout our lives, until the day that you call us home again. We pray for your words. We pray for your words to be planted into our heart, change our lives, to transform our hearts. And so, Father, as we end this
0: worship session, We lift everyone up to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord bless all of you. So we meet again. God bless.